a few points that that help me in times of difficulty is to be reminded that truly we should take one day at a time. It doesn't mean at all that we don't prepare. There are scriptures that teach us that if we're going to build a house, that before we build it, we should count the cost in order to make sure that we're able to complete the house. You ever driven by a project, maybe a house that's being built or a construction site, and you can tell that they started the project, but something happened and they ran out of money and they didn't complete the project. So the scriptures teach that we're to count the cost. That's not what he's talking about right here. He's saying that for the day in which we live, that's what we're to be concerned about. Let's look at some verses right here. These verses help me. I trust they'll help you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I remember Elder Paul saying, uh, clearly, he said there can be a whole lot of seconds in the Bible, but there's only one first, and that's seeking the Lord, that's seeking His righteousness, that's seeking His kingdom, that's seeking His church. But then he comes down and he says, he says, if you seek these things, all the things that you need are going to be added unto you. And then Jesus Christ tells His followers right here, He says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. What's he saying right here? You trust me for today. Like the songwriter says, yesterday's gone. And tomorrow may not be ours. But we have today and that's the day that we're to be concerned about. He says, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. He says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Had the opportunity to encourage young ministers in the gospel. And we've been blessed at Mount Carmel to have, I think, six young men come up through the, through the church in the recent years. And when... When they begin to ponder, it's happened every single time. When they begin to ponder the vastness of the responsibility in the ministry, all of a sudden they say, I can't do that. And I remind them, God is not asking you to figure it out all throughout the rest of your ministry. God is requiring of you to give the best you can today. You may not ever have down the road, but what you have is for today. And when you face those challenges ahead, God has promised that when those times come and you face those challenges, He's promised that His grace is going to be sufficient for those times of need. So what He says right here is sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He's basically saying the trials and the difficulties that you have today are what I'm equipping you to deal with today. Let's look at another one. Uh, that this, is, this one encourages me as well. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus telling His followers right here. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but 
but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And then he, he makes the point right here about the compassion and care of Jesus Christ. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall fall to the ground, uh, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? For the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, are not ye more valuable than many sparrows. So what he's saying right here is not only does God know our need, God knows everything. There's not any surprises to God. And he's saying right here that God knows our needs. That God knows if a very sparrow falls from the air. It's not a surprise to God. And God knows that. And he says God knows the very uh, number of the hairs of our head. He said God knows that as well. And he says are you not much more valuable than the sparrows of the air? He's basically saying right here that God knows our need. And God cares for us. And God is able to help us in those times of need. Therefore, he's reminding us to go back and trust in the Lord who knows what we need, what we stand in need of. One more in James. One more in the book of James. James reminds us right here. He says, go to now. Now, that's a a strange way to put it in our day and time. I don't hear anyone say, go to now. But I think it just simply means, uh, listen up to what I'm about to tell you right here. It's important. I want you to hear. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go to such a city and we will continue there and we will buy and sell and we will get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. He's just simply saying right here, I'm the one that's in charge of tomorrow. You're not. You put your trust in me. You worry about today and I'll take care of tomorrow. Now look what he says. He says, whereas you know what shall be on the morrow. For he says, for what is your life? It is a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then it vanisheth away. My goodness. Isn't it amazing how quickly time passes by? I mean, you look back and you wonder, what in the world happened to all those years? And he's saying right here that our life, when we look back, it's almost like a vapor. A vapor is there. I I saw Brother Kilby walking over to check out. He saw some vapors coming out of the building over here, and and he began to get concerned. and, and, And I was glad when he was relieved that it's the heater doing what it's supposed to be. But it's there for a minute, and then it's gone. And that's what he's saying that our life is like. He says it's here for a moment and it's gone. And he says, so don't begin to try to figure out the rest of your life. Look what he says right here. For that ye ought to say. He says, this is how we ought to think. This is how we ought to talk. This is how we ought to communicate. He says, for this is what we ought to say. If the Lord will. Used to hear this. Used to hear old timers say it uh, a a lot. Lord willing. 
I'll do it. When, when folks would leave and, and maybe uh, go back home that had been visiting, Lord willing, we'll see you uh, next year. Lord willing, we'll do this or we'll do that. And that's what James is saying right here. He says, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting, for all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him, and this is a real good point, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If God has put something on your heart to do that is good, that is helpful, that is beneficial, he says if we don't do what God has told us to do or given us light in his word to do, he just simply says it's sin. So if you have an opportunity to do good, if God has put it in your heart to do it and given you the ability to do it, we should clearly do it to the glory of the Lord. But we should be reminded to say, we don't know about tomorrow. We don't have tomorrow, but we do have today. And Lord willing, we'll do this or that. But we can't figure it out ourselves. It would be overwhelming if we try to figure it out down the road. The second thing that helps me, I hope this helps you, it, it's, uh, it helps me and I, I pray it will be a blessing to you. Esther chapter 4. We have the account of Esther and her uncle Mordecai and how that Esther had an... Uh, had an opportunity to go before the king and plead the case of the Jews and the Jews were spared because of Esther and where she was in the position that she was in. And Mordecai says unto Esther, and this, this is loaded. In fact, for me, this is what the whole story of Esther is about right here. He said, Esther, don't discount at all where you are right now and your purpose in being here and your role in being here he says Esther he says it may very well be he says for who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this he says Esther it may very well be that your whole purpose in being where you are right now is that God has a plan to fulfill and He's going to use you to do it. Let me just say something right here. God is a God of purpose. When God speaks, things happen. God spoke this earth into existence with His power and God is a God of purpose and God is a God of uh, order. And, and, and God is in charge. And God is in control. But can I tell you that God also creates His people for a purpose. You have a purpose in being here. You're not an accident. You didn't just happen. There is a purpose in you being here. And God... God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. It is a blessing to you and I to be able to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to do. I believe that you're here right now because God has a purpose for you. 
You know, it's sad when people get old and they feel like that, that they don't have a purpose anymore. They feel like that, they, that they're, they don't have the abilities to do the things that they could do and therefore they feel like that they've lost a sense of purpose. And, and, and I've had, I've had uh, older people tell me sometimes, that maybe go to the hospital and visit them, and I've had older people tell me sometimes, I don't know why that I'm still here. I don't know why that God has spared me. I don't know what my purpose is or what my role is. Uh, how could it be that I could be of any help or encouragement to somebody else? I remember Pearl's sister, uh, Polly Edwards, almost a uh, hundred years old, and, and, and she was lamenting. She says, I don't know why God has kept me around here. Remember Sister Perry lived to be 104 years old. And I enjoyed reminding Sister Perry and Sister Linda of what an encouragement Sister Perry was to all of us. I mean, Brother Phil, she'd come up to you and tell you about your grandfather and grandmother and what a blessing they were in their life. And Sister Greenfield would go visit and, and she'd tell them about uh, visiting with her grandmother back then. You, we don't have anyone to do that today. Sister Perry was an inspiration and an encouragement and God had her here for a purpose a hundred and four and a half years and she fulfilled that purpose. God has you here for a purpose. He does. There's a reason that you're here. And if you realize that, there's a great blessing in it to know that God has you here for a purpose. Elder Sonny Piles, many of you knew Elder Piles, wonderful, wonderful brother, wonderful uh, dear friend and wonderful brother. He's now with the Lord. Elder Sonny Piles had three children. His son David is a genius, mentally speaking. He's just like his dad, Elder Piles. I mean, he really is, has a, a photographic memory. He's incredibly smart, blessed, with light on the scriptures. He has a daughter that has had cancer and struggled with that, but she's, she's an encouragement and an inspiration to other folks. He has a third son, and he brought him up here with his wife one time. His name is Danny. And his third son, Danny, is uh, mentally challenged. Uh, maybe to the tune of three or four years old to that point. He's now maybe 50 years old. Brother Sonny and Sister Sarah. Sarah probably weighs about 85 pounds. She's now in her 80s. Have cared for Danny in their home ever since he was a little boy. Brother Sonny said one time, he said, I had a long preaching trip to go on. And he said, we were caring for Danny. He said, I needed to study for this long preaching trip. I think he said it was going to be a week or two that he was going. He'd go through North Carolina and Virginia and be gone for a couple of weeks. And he said he was preparing for this preaching trip. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, Danny got sick. And he said, then my, my wife got sick. And he said, I thought to myself, well, Lord, don't you know that I need to plan for this preaching trip and prepare for this preaching trip. And he said, I began to feel overwhelmed in that this was a challenge for me to try to work in to care for my wife and care for my, my handicapped son. And he said, 
I've never had the Lord speak to me in an audible voice. But he said the Lord spoke to me with such a strong impression that he said it was as if it was almost an audible voice. And he said, do you realize that your whole purpose in being here may be to care for your son Danny? He said, I viewed it different from that point on. I realize that may be what God has called me here to do was to care for my handicapped son. And that he wasn't a burden, but he was a blessing. And that may be what God had called me to do. God has us here for a purpose. In fact, Paul puts it like this. This is how the Apostle Paul sums it up in Philippians. I love this portion of Scripture. I love Philippians a lot. Uh, Paul says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in Christ I I shall not be ashamed, but with all boldness, he says, that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by my life or by my death, He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says, but I live in the flesh, and this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. So Paul puts it into perspective right here. Paul believed that God had him here for a reason. And here's what he says. He says, what what I choose, I want not. Paul says, I am in a strait betwixt two. Anybody ever in that situation? Paul says, I'm in a strait betwixt two. And here's his struggle right here. Paul said, I have a desire. This is what I would, if you're asking me, my druthers, what I'd rather do. If you're asking me what I'd like to do. Paul says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. But Paul knew that God was a God of purpose. And here's what he said. He says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. And here's why I have that desire. Because he says, I know something. I know that when I am with Christ... It's far better than what I have here. He says, as far as I'm concerned, as far as for me, as far as what I deal with and what I struggle with, he says, as far as what I'm concerned, I'd rather go on and be with Christ. But he says, God is a God of purpose. And God has a purpose for me being here. And look what he says. He says, nevertheless... Meaning, he's putting aside his preference and he's, he's saying, above all, I want to fulfill what God's will is. And he says, this is the will of God for me right now. Here's what he says. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful. Paul doesn't say more needful for Paul. He says, for me to abide here is more needful for you. You're here and part of the purpose that God has for you in being here may not be for yourself, but it may be for those that are around you. 
That's what Paul says. And then he says, here is the fulfillment of that purpose. Look what he says. It's more needful for you that I abide here in the flesh. And he says, and having, uh, he says, uh, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your fatherance and joy of faith. Paul is saying that he feels like, based on what he's sharing with us right here, that his presence is going to be an encouragement to those that are around him. He says that your joy, he says that uh, for the fatherance and joy of faith, and that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus, for be by my coming unto you. Paul is basically saying right here, that God has put it on my heart to be used, to be an encouragement to you. And it doesn't matter whether you're 40 years old, 30. Corbin's fixing to hit that 30 mark. It doesn't matter if you're 29 or if you're 89. God has a purpose for you in being here. And Paul realized that. And Paul said, the purpose that I see in being here is for you. It wasn't just because Paul was a preacher. That's for all of us. In that your joy may be fuller in the Lord. That you will rejoice in the Lord. That you're rejoicing. That your faith will be stronger in the Lord. And that your rejoicing will be more abundant in the Lord. So, a couple of things that always help me is to know that that God's going to give us what we need for this day and that that we're here for a purpose, that there is a purpose for us being here and we should ask the Lord to give us direction in life on what He would have us to do. So, in uh, 2 Corinthians, another portion of text that helps me a whole lot I pray it will be to you. Brother Richard, I know you could claim this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, and we'll get down to verse 9. The Apostle Paul had something that bothered him. It's described as a thorn in the flesh. I've heard it said, and it's probably true, that the reason it's not told us what that thorn in the flesh is, is because if we knew what his particular thorn in the flesh was, we'd say, well, I don't have that one, so it doesn't apply to me. But every one of us has a thorn in the flesh. You may say, I've got a bunch of thorns. And a thorn's something that bothers you. A thorn's something that's a nuisance. A thorn's something you'd like to get rid of. I remember I was running out in a field next to my grandparents' house in central Texas, and I stepped on, um, on a um, mesquite thorn. Those, those thorns are just, they're, they're just like a needle. Brother David's been around them in his part of the country. They're long and sharp, and boy, they hurt. You just can't wait to get, get rid of them. Well, the Apostle Paul wanted to get rid of his thorn. He did. And he went to the Lord... And he prayed, he prayed, and he prayed that God would remove that thorn that he was dealing with. 
And God answered his prayer, but he didn't answer the prayer the way that Paul thought it would be answered. You know, that's another time we get ourselves in fixes, is when we try to figure out what the answer is ourselves. Or we try to tell God what the answer is. You know, sometimes we go to the Lord and we want to present the problem and we want to present the answer and we just simply want the Lord to put His stamp of approval on it. We want Him to approve our plan. And He didn't do it with Paul. He said to Paul, He said, He said, uh, Paul said he prayed for it three times to be removed and he did not remove it. But he said, Paul, I'm going to give you a promise right here. And this promise is for every single one of you. I know Brother Richard's leaned on this promise and Sister Jerry. And this promise comes to light and it ought to be really good for us to hold on to all the time. The Lord said, Paul, I'm not going to remove the thorn the way you're asking that it be removed. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give you the grace to bear that thorn. And he says, Paul, here's the promise. My grace is sufficient for you. My mother's here and her father was, my grandfather was a dear, dear friend of mine. And when we'd take granddad out to eat, he'd like a, he'd like a little steak, a baked potato and a salad and then top it off with peach cobbler and ice cream on top of that. And when he'd finished, he'd say, I've dined sufficiently. He was just as happy and content and settled as he could be. And did you know that that's the same way that it is when God gives us grace to bear the trials and difficulties that we have is that we've dined sufficiently when He provides His grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So no matter what your problem is, what your trial is, I'm glad He didn't tell us what the thorn that Paul had was because we can look at that and we can put our problem in there and know that His grace is sufficient for me. Sufficient for Brother Danny, for Brother Phil, for Brother David, Brother Kilby. It's sufficient for all of us. And He's given us that promise. Another one that helps me a lot in difficult times. This last year and a half have been most difficult. Especially dealing with the uh, challenges of COVID in the navigating through all of that and especially in the the folks that we work with through the weeks and it's just been a real challenging time i'm going to go through and read a portion of philippians chapter four but i'll highlight two or three verses that are just real favorites that help me a lot we'll start with verse four of chapter four i have to be reminded about this because it's not just my nature to do it But things that are not our nature, that's what the Scripture helps us out with. Our nature takes us away from God, doing the things away from what the Scriptures would teach. But look at what he says right here. He says, rejoice. That just simply means be happy in the Lord. 
He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I know it's important because he says it twice. He actually says it three times in this chapter, but here he says it in one verse two times. Rejoice in the Lord always. You mean in 2021? Is there any room that we can rejoice He says rejoice in the Lord always. That could even include 2021 with all the challenges that we have. And then he says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, and again I say rejoice. He just simply is saying, I'm giving you a prescription to rejoice in the Lord. Now if we're not rejoicing in the Lord, then there's something wrong. It's not wrong with the Lord. It's wrong on our end. Now, I'm just going to briefly go through this. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. I want to just toss this out. Let your moderation be known unto all men. I tell my mother this all the time. I said, my grandfather, one of the things he taught me, he taught a lot by example, but he also would say bits of wisdom that that I would hold on to. and, And he would say this. He'd say, Stephen... Just be sensible. And do you know when I'm doing something that is extreme, all of a sudden it comes into mind what Granddad would say, just be sensible. I'll give you an example. I used to uh, I used to ride a unicycle probably barely ride a bike now, but I used to ride a unicycle, one-wheeled bicycle. Used to ride it in the parades in a little town in which we lived in. I still had the unit. What's so funny, brother? (laughs) I I still have it. When I turned 50 years old, uh, I got the unicycle out, and I thought, you know what? I used to ride that with ease. And... I think I can still do it. I aired up the tire. I got on it. And I thought, something's changed. And then I thought about all the times that I fell trying to learn how to ride it when I was 10, 12 years old. That's the time to learn. And then just as clear as crystal, I could hear my granddad's words saying, Stephen, just be sensible. For me, at 61 years old, it's not sensible to get on a unicycle. I thought, if I fell three times, and I had fallen hundreds of times when I was trying to learn how to ride it, if I fell three times, I'd probably fracture my hip, I'd bust my head, or fracture my elbow. And for me, it wasn't sensible. Paul says, let your moderation be known. Just simply be sensible. Then he says be careful for nothing. He's just saying don't be overly wrought with anxiety, but take it to the Lord in prayer. He says go to the Lord in prayer. Make your supplications with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. What he's simply saying here is don't just take the Lord all your needs, but go to the Lord and thank Him for all of His blessings. My pastor used to tell me, he said If you get discouraged, if you get depressed, he said, take a piece of paper and just start writing on it the blessings of the Lord. 
Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Just a lot of times I'll take a piece of paper and just write it down. And if you write that down, did you know that that will pull you out of despair, out of despondency, if you begin to count the blessings of God? Name them one by one. He says, talk to the Lord, take your problems to Him, but remind, he says, I remind you to be thankful, have a thankful heart to the Lord. And he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, and this is very important, he says, finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true. Now, I, I want to I get the last part of this verse before we hit all these points. The last part of the verse says right here, Think on these things. So if what we're thinking on doesn't fall in this category right here, we shouldn't be surprised if we don't have the peace of God in our heart. He says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you know what? You're not going to find those things in the Baltimore Sun. You're not. Ray Evers used to read this, and I remember him sharing with us. He says, the only place I know that you can find these things to think on is in God's Word and on Jesus Christ. When you're thinking on Christ, you're thinking on His Word, you're thinking on these things right here. If we don't have the peace of God ruling in our heart, it may be that we're thinking on the wrong things. It may be. Now, I'm going to just speed through this and hit a couple of more right here. Really, really good. Paul says, and this one, I think about this a lot. I've written it down and it's on the mirror in front of where I get dressed. It's on the refrigerator, sometimes the dash of the car. Paul said, Philippians 4.13, I, and that could be any one of you here, for Paul, it was him. You can put your name in there. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, when you know that and you believe it, you're not going to be easily overwhelmed if you know that your strength is in Christ. And then the last verse says this. Paul said, I also know something else. I know that my God is going to supply my needs and He's going to supply your needs. And here's something that's really important. He's going to supply all your needs. Paul said, I know He's going to supply mine. He has supplied mine. And I know He will. But he said, He's going to supply your needs. And he says, here's how He's going to supply it. Not according... To Paul's ability, not according to the ability that you have. You see, a lot of times all we can think about in the solutions are what abilities that we have. But what he's saying right here, he says, God, he says, I'm convinced of this. I know this, that my God will supply your needs according to 
His riches in glory. So He's going to reach up into glory to supply your needs. He's not going to supply your needs based on the abilities that we have here or even the availability of the blessings here. He supplies them according to the riches in glory. He's just simply saying we don't need to worry about it. God knows our need. He's able to meet our need. He's promised He's going to supply our need. And He's going to do it above and beyond what we can imagine or expect. And He does it that way so He gets the glory. A song that we sing sometimes. A great song. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know what Jesus said, and today I'll walk beside Him, for He knows what is ahead. Every step is getting brighter as the golden stairs I climb. Every burden's getting lighter. Every cloud is silver silver lined. There the sun is always shining. There no tear will dim the eye. At the ending of the rainbow, where the mountains touch the sky. I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood, but His presence goes before me, and I'm covered in His blood. The chorus. Many things about tomorrow that I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. God's promised to be with us and sustain us all the way through this life. We're to be concerned about today. He'll take care of tomorrow. Thank you for your good attention. God bless you.